1: Before we begin, we would like to make a confession. To those of you who are looking forward to hearing us discuss the exploits of Sarah Jane Smith, you will be greatly, greatly disappointed. This is not due to any scheduling problem or any unforeseen events. No, quite on the contrary. As Paul's wife so lovingly likes to put it, we changed our minds!
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 26 Veil of Confession. I am, as always, your host, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have uh, Paul Gann.
1: I have a confession to make. I love Doctor Who. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think that's going to stop the veil.
1: Uh, <laughs> how's it going, Paul? Oh, dude, it's great. This episode knocked my socks off. Yeah, it was uh, it was very, very much something that we had to immediately talk about.
2: Yes,
0: for
1: those of you who are wondering, yes, at the end of last
0: episode, we said that we were planning on doing our Sarah Jane episode. However, I think that's going to end up being saved for the beginning of the new year just due to where everything is going for the rest of the season here
1: it it depends on how much time we have between the last episode and the christmas special
0: right so right we'll we'll figure that out but after watching heaven sent there was no (laughs) way we were not talking about it on this episode of Talking Timeless. Before we get into that, though...
1: Especially since it's talking about something that I have speculated about a lot over the course of mine and Jason's conversations, and he has not felt comfortable about. (laughs) (laughs) You know of what I speak. (laughs) Um, Honestly, I'm
0: a little forgetful at the moment. Uh, you'll you'll remember in a moment. No, oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> anyway, but before we get into what Paul is saying, I will be uncomfortable with, and the episode uh, in general, uh, we need to really quick remind you once again about the Thunder Quack Patreon giveaway that we are doing uh, for the holidays here coming up uh if you support thundercrack podcast network which includes our lovely little podcast as well as a number of other great geeky podcasts at the one dollar or above level uh by the by december 18th uh you will be eligible to win a great holiday prize pack there will only be one winner the winner will receive uh, a $25 Amazon gift certificate, a digital copy of Jurassic World, or is it Jurassic Park? I forget which one it is. Uh, one of those. And a number of other prizes, and two other prizes as well. Uh, as of the time of this recording, uh, Thunderquack has not officially announced what the next prize is. So I will not spoil it here, but do check back on our facebook page for the latest info as we will share it on our page as well when that is announced so and the winner will be announced on the live force awakens youtube roundtable uh for patreon supporters to view uh as we record it live on december 18th so keep an eye out for that folks
2: Spoilers.
0: okay but i think it's time to jump into this episode i don't want to delay any longer we've been talking around for a couple minutes and much longer before we actually turn the recorder on here uh <laughs> tonight <laughs> um so, full spoiler alert, we, as usual, we are going to be talking everything about this episode, so make sure you've seen it before you listen to us, or unless you don't care. Uh, but before we get into our thoughts on the episode, uh, we did ask for your opinions. We did get one response on Facebook, on our on our post on our Facebook page. Uh, Megan Brown says that it was a good episode, and she really liked the part where Clara tells the Doctor to win. So... Uh, I like that part, too, and we'll, we will definitely talk about that in more depth when we get to it in the show. Uh, but, Paul,
2: yes. overall
0: general thoughts before we get into the nitty-gritty
1: on ah, uh, Heaven's Sand? um I immediately watched it a second time,
2: just because, <laughs> I,
1: just because I enjoyed it so much. I I, I, I watched it. And I sent Jason a message and I said, Have you watched it yet? And he says, No, I'm still waiting for the uh, the late rebroadcast and I said, Ah I can't talk about it and he says he says, Well, I'm just I'm waiting for the, the second broadcast and I said, Okay and so then I messaged him back later. I said, I just watched it again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep. So
0: by the time I got to watching it the first time, Paul had already seen it twice. Uh, due to my work schedule, I missed the, the, the uh, first airing. And so I have to wait for the late night uh, reshowing a couple of hours later. And so by that time, <laughs> Paul had already seen it twice. And uh, I did watch it again today. Uh, I had the day off so I watched it again today So I It was such a good episode um, And I was right I was right my speculation about who's behind All of this is right I'm going to gloat about that when we get to it But
2: Yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, To be perfectly honest Apparently there are episode Summaries For every episode uh, Out there and the new ones Coming out or episode Descriptions I should say Right. I hadn't seen any of those when I made my prediction. I just want to clarify that to everybody.
1: Well, we decided not to spoil ourselves.
0: Exactly, so. exactly. So I hadn't seen any of those. My predictions about the Time Lords are correct and were uninfluenced by officially released media.
1: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> oh.
1: I'm going Which to... I, I honestly thought that was kind of strange that they would... Through official channels, they would release something that would be so spoilerific, you know, in, a, in an episode description. Right. You know. It was I like,
0: mean, and I found out about it by listening yeah. to a podcast. Thankfully, I'd already seen the episode. But uh, <laughs> this other podcast, uh, our friends at Bad Wolf Radio found were finding descriptions for the next episode uh, because they were talking about Face the Raven. And they were reading one where it basically lays out the entire general plot of of heaven sent uh the doctor finds himself trapped in a castle running from some you know running from uh, a creature from his nightmares and finds himself having to punch through a wall to finally emerge onto gallifrey
1: not only did they spoil themselves on heaven sent they spoiled themselves on hell bent as well yes they did yeah (laughs) after they read that they were like oh we we shouldn't have read that (laughs)
0: But if you oh. want additional thoughts on Doctor Who, maybe <laughs> something less, uh, a little less fanboyish, because we kind of, I, I know we're going to be the overly positive podcast on a lot of this stuff. Uh, Bad Wolf Radio, uh, I've actually been on a couple of of their classic episode reviews in the past, and they're they're friends of mine, so check them out if you have the time. Obviously, finish listening to ours first because because yes, we want you awesome. Listening. Yeah. (laughs) And we're just sort of rambling because we're so excited about this episode. Let's actually dive into it. So we last left the Doctor being teleported away from the Trap Street after just watching Clara die. We pick up with him, and he's emerging in this teleporter. Well, someone flips a switch, and the teleporter activates, and he is appeared into it and stumbles out and we'll get into why that's interesting much later because he has a lot to get through in this episode (laughs) before we start going off on our our theories about all of this stuff uh and he's still pissed obviously that he's just seen clara die he's still pissed about it and he's basically warns whoever is here in this this castle with all these large cogs you know that move it around move the different levels around to be afraid because he will never stop hunting them because of what they have done to clara he's he is not a happy doctor
1: i thought the uh i thought the cogs and everything in this episode were really cool um i think they added another level to the atmosphere Mm mm-hmm and they reminded me a lot of the intro to the show, mm-hmm. how it has all the gears for the clock and everything. Yeah, I thought that that kind of blended together really well.
0: Yeah, I I liked it. I liked it.
1: It I also how they made me think too. of something mechanical. Mm-hmm. So it automatic automatically made me think of this being a mechanical environment that he was in, which seemed completely contrary to the whole castle theme. Right, so let's talk about the the setting here for this
0: episode, because it it was interesting, because he's stuck in it the entire episode, pretty much, until Mm -hmm. the very end. He's stuck in this setting, and it's it's this old castle, old abandoned castle by all accounts, because nobody else is there, well, almost nobody, and yet it's got a teleporter in one room. Mm -hmm. It's got these television screens scattered throughout... The castle and then it's got these glowing cogs right. that turn the different levels around in the castle what did you think of the setting
1: it was very haunted mansion like to a certain extent but at mm-hmm. the same time uh, because of the fact that things kept shifting around and that kind of thing it kept you in an unsettled state the entire time it kept you off balance the entire time yeah because and when you're when you're in that constantly changing environment and you already feel like you're being watched and you have all these screens that there's no explanation for them being there and you leave a room and you go back into the room and, and things are back to the way they were the first time you went in there, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's very unnerving. It's very unsettling, you know, because you don't really see anybody <laughs> else to, to do it. Exactly. The doctor
0: is looking around and all of a sudden one of these view screens activates and his face appears on it and someone is watching him from outside the window next to the view screen And he peers out the window and across the the way basically peering out of a window across from him is this hooded veiled monster of some sort
1: with no face
0: with no face And we find out that this is a monster taken directly out of one of the Doctor's nightmares. Apparently, as a child, he had seen a... Hold on. I've got it here. A a woman who had died, and she had been covered in veils, but the body had been decomposing, and the flies had come. And so this creature is always accompanied by flies as well. Uh, So whenever... Your first note that this creature is coming around the corner is the flies start showing up.
1: Yeah, that was kind of disturbing
0: as well. Creepy. You know. Just creepy. And so apparently uh, in his nightmares as a young boy, it had grown into this monster. And that is what is now chasing him through this castle. Well, chasing is not exactly the right word for it, though. It's just a steady, relentless, slow, plodding pursuit.
1: Like a slow-beating drum.
0: The drums. The drums.
1: The (laughs) never-ending drum beat. (laughs) That's that's what I was thinking of, you know, when he was talking about the, the, the rhythmic footsteps and stuff. I was thinking of the drums in the master's head, and how maybe this was kind of like the equivalent of that for the doctor, you know? Uh-huh. Interesting.
0: But the thing that he does note is that whatever's on the view screens is this monster's point of view, which is, uh, they call it the veil is what this monster is called. And so the doctor can always see what, what the monster sees by looking at these screams. So he knows where in the castle it is, knows how close it is and that sort of thing, but it just keeps coming. So he tries to run off and flee from it and it traps him. He finds a door he talks to the door and gets it to open he's uh, slightly telepathic like when he was a child which well, is a reference to Susan actually. We've
1: not seen a whole lot of that Played up in the new series, though, as as opposed to the old series. Um, We saw a lot more of the telepathic stuff for the Doctor in the classic series than we have in the new series.
0: Mm -hmm. And now that's also almost a very direct reference to Susan. uh, Because there was a story arc called the Sensorites. That's the the name of the alien race that they run across in these episodes. And the Sensorites' primary mode of communication is telepathy and Susan has you know being a young Gallifreyan, and a young time lord uh, time lady is open to that telepathic field and is actually able to communicate directly with the sensorites telepathically so it's a little bit of a classic reference there slipped into the new who again which Peter Capaldi has not been shy about doing um, in these in these right. stories.
1: I think prior to this, the biggest thing that we saw as far as the telepathic abilities of the Doctor in the new series was like um, at the end of the... Was it the fourth season, I think? Where he removed the memories. Mm, for Donna? Yeah, for Donna. And uh, that 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 was one of the the few times that we got to see that in the new the new Who series. you know, they didn't actually go in and explain this is why he can do it, but anybody that knew it from the classic series understood what was going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's ugh, that's
0: still my saddest new new who companion departure.
1: I don't like talking about it. <laughs> even, even more so than Rose.
0: For some reason I, I like rose but i never was like 100 percent attached to rose
1: even more so than clara
0: you could ask me about uh, this about every other every one of the companions no donna's my um, no, favorite no donna's my but, favorite but of the clara comp- died i mean i know but it's more it's it, the sad fact okay we're gonna get off the tanner here for a second the fact that donna found a purpose in traveling with the doctor had the best time the grandest time traveling with him had all these amazing adventures Mm -hmm. traveling with the doctor had that all taken away from her for her own safety and she went back from being somebody in her own mind to -hmm. being nobody once again with no recollection of all these amazing things that she'd seen, all these amazing things that she'd done. And she has to continue living with no knowledge that she ever did these things. That is depressing. <laughs> that is sad. Rose still has her memories of traveling with the doctor. Rose has a copy of the doctor. She's got her own fanfic Just in real life.
1: In Xerox, you know, you know
0: I mean, she, she's got her real life fan fiction. Uh, to live out, <laughs> but <and> it, <laughs> anyway, I need to get back on the topic here.
1: I, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was just playing devil's advocate, of, you know. Of course you were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, that that's my my two cents worth, <laughs> for what it's worth. And 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 Amy has her memories, and she has Rory, so that's why that's not as sad either. So Donna <laughs> goes back. To be from being one of the most important people in the universe to being nothing in her own mind,
1: I and she has to think, live
0: out the rest of her life as nothing. In I her still
1: own mind. think that they that they have an opening there. If they ever wanted to bring her back, they could find a way to fix that situation. But that's just my opinion. I think they could. And I would love to see her and Capaldi together. I would love to see. Oh <laughs> gosh. Anyways,
0: <laughs> we need to talk about Heaven Sent. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets trapped at the end of a corridor he opens the door and there's a wall beyond it because the castle has shifted to a point to where the corridor ends at a wall rather than a doorway and this monster just keeps coming towards him and the doctor obviously has no idea what exactly it will do to him but he knows it won't be good and so he's trying to figure out how to get away from this he can't see a way out he's talking to himself about all this and he he finally admits that he's terrified and he's scared of dying and the veil freezes and well, so do the flies buzzing around him.
1: that's very unusual for the doctor to admit that you think <laughs> <laughs> He usually makes his companions think that he has everything under control and uh, that he knows exactly what his next move is going to be, even when he's completely lost as to what his next move is going to be. When that happened, I immediately was like, okay, red flag, this is telling me that something's weirder than I already thought it was.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Because (laughs) as soon as he confesses that he's scared of dying the danger freezes and the castle starts to move and the wall behind the corridor he's in moves and he's able to go through the corridor into another room into a bedroom basically Um, and he's able to escape the veil in this bedroom however there are some flowers and a very old painting of Clara Mm -hmm. on the wall and he's studying uh, the painting and over his shoulder we see on the monitor that the veil's moving again and is not very far away from him he is so wrapped up in looking at this painting and studying this painting that it takes a fly landing on it in front of him for him to notice the veil's actually in the room
1: Right. he's he's intrigued by the fact that this painting is so old it is extremely old you know, he doesn't understand why the paint is so chipped and cracked and peeling from the, the canvas and everything
0: mm-hmm. it is incredibly incredibly old now he finally does notice the veil the doctor tries to out talk the veil but the veil's not talking back uh he's trying to figure out what's going on what the veil is why it's stealing stuff from his nightmares and that sort of thing. And he sort of deduces, starts a working theory that this castle is some type of torture chamber. And he's refusing to play along and so he grabs a stool, throws it out the the window, and then dives out behind it. And I remember going, what is he doing? The next shot we get is not him falling to his death. No, it is him bursting back inside his TARDIS. Saying, what? sorry I'm late. Let me show you. tell you how I got out of this sticky situation. <laughs> I wonder what I'm going to say. You know.
1: <laughs> we basically get a snapshot of him in his own head.
0: Yes. When the doctor goes into one of these fight or flight modes and he has to figure it out, he goes into... The TARDIS in his mind, basically. And the interesting thing about this TARDIS in his mind is that there is a figure of Clara Mm -hmm. hanging out around in the corners.
1: You never see her face. She's always from the back.
0: Right. We see her, her from the back, and she doesn't actually talk to him. She writes things on a chalkboard.
1: Yeah, we go which, back to the chalkboard from last season.
0: Yep, yeah, from uh Listen, Listen especially. Yeah. Uh, I I like that, and it, my mom and I were watching and she goes, Oh, that's like from last season. And I was like, Yep, yep, <laughs> it is, yes it is.
2: Um
0: And so he's running around and talking at everything at very high speed, like the doctor generally does, about how he's gonna figure it out. He says he smelled salty salty air, which means the castle standing in the sea, and by throwing uh the stool out the window. He was seeing how far down the water was to see if he'd be able to survive the the fall. And he was plucking petals off the flower to test the gravity, see what the gravity was like, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. You know, this is how, what he was all doing.
1: Very uh, Sherlock Holmes like.
0: Very Sherlock Holmes. And of course he (laughs) dove out uh, the, the window and dove into the water.
1: I thought it was kind of funny because the last thing he says before he goes through the window is something to the effect of you didn't expect this did you <laughs> you know <laughs> right. and then he's gone <laughs> Right. and I go no
0: I actually didn't <laughs> <laughs> the doctor hits the water hard though mm-hmm. and he falls unconscious which brings him back into the TARDIS of his mind the lights in the TARDIS start coming back on and Uh, Clara starts writing a couple questions. Question one, what is this place? Question two, what did you say that made the creature stop? And question three, how are you going to win? And then the doctor regains consciousness. And it's not just a simple regain consciousness and let's come pop back up to the surface. No, he regains consciousness looking down at the bottom of... The water that he's in. And he it's covered in skulls. There's just skulls all over the place.
1: Okay, picture the ground of the future uh, post-apocalyptic scenes from Terminator. And there are way more skulls than that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but he's able to... You know, right himself and get back up and he swims back to the surface and uh, back into the tower walks into a room where there's a fire going and he walks over to the fire to warm himself, try and dry himself off and notices that there's a duplicate set of clothes
1: mm-hmm.
0: all hung out and dried for him these clothes are exactly the clothes he was wearing when he dove into the water
2: Right.
0: exactly clears the type of clothes he's wearing right now. He's very confused. <laughs> but does not take a, look a gift horse in the mouth and changes into the dry clothes and then hangs up his wet clothes in the exact same manner that he found them. He, he continues to explore the castle, finds another room where there's a couple of arrows pointing towards a point in the room where one of the flagstones has been taken up. And there's just dirt in where that flagstone was. And he goes there's something was here. Something was important. He also notices the veil is coming for him again. He asks why it does that. And in the Mental TARDIS, Clara writes, wrong question. Not why. What? And he starts trying to ask, what is chasing him? He doesn't answer the question entirely yet. Uh, But he does realize that the veil is trying to terrify him. And that's why he can see where the veil is at all times. That the castle and the veil is like a puzzle box or a, a haunted house of sorts that's designed to terrify him to death. And he says,
1: must be Christmas. Uh, well, <laughs> is this? When I first started watching this, I didn't realize exactly what I was watching. Mm-hmm. But as the episode continued to progress throughout the first time I was watching it, I noticed how the castle was put together. Mm-hmm.
2: And I noticed
1: that. There were rings and rings and rings stacked on top of one another and this thing would spin right like a dial mm-hmm. and that kind of started getting me to think that there was a clue in the way the thing was constructed as to exactly what was going on with this thing
0: the doctor manages to make it down to a garden and there is a patch of Of earth that has been dug up and recovered. Uh, The dirt is soft and uh, is definitely different from the rest of the ground around it and he finds a spade and starts digging because obviously something must be here that he needs to know about. He does have a run with the veil. The veil tries to come into the garden after him and he he manages to keep the veil out.
1: Yeah, he after he uh, notices the screen, I think inside the window, if I'm not mistaken,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he notices that he's having difficulty seeing through the veil's eyes, um, and so he goes to open the door, and it comes through the door on him.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the veil's basically been yeah. standing at the other side on the other side of the door, which is and, why he can't <laughs> see where the veil is. The veil's just standing there. waiting. It was a, jump scare basically it
1: was and, and it and it worked <laughs> yeah it, it worked and i was like oh crap you know <laughs>
0: but he manages to keep the veil uh inside the castle and the veil and he, he yells out and says ha i win and the veil starts to shuffle off back into the castle and leave him alone and we're like okay it's nice that this happened but i don't trust it what's going on he continues to dig uh, into the night, notices something's wrong with the stars, but then hits something in the dirt.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In the dirt is this tile, this flagstone that was missing from the room earlier. And on it, in chalk, is written, I'm in 12, which refers to the room numbers in the castle. Before the doctor could really start pondering what that means, the veil uh, bursts out of the ground right next to him and is about ready to grab him when the doctor snaps back into his mental TARDIS.
1: Which was another <laughs> jump scare.
0: It, it was. It just <laughs> it came out of the earth. It was like, you know, <laughs> the dead were rising
1: and it just like... <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, oh my god Stop it <laughs> You got me twice You weren't supposed to get me twice you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once shame on you pull me twice shame on me Or is it the other way around, I forget. Either way That was right. <laughs> okay, it is right. And the doctor has to try and figure out what he said earlier that stopped the veil. What the real point of it was. This
1: is the point where he realizes that it was a confession yes. that he gave. And see, this is when I started putting pieces together, because the, the the dialing castle, along with the confessions of the doctor, I started realizing just exactly what was going on.
0: <laughs> I didn't at this point. Oh well, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and so he realizes what he has to do and he realizes what they must be after whoever they are the problem is is there are truths that the doctor can never tell not for anything and now he's scared and alone but he has to survive and so he blurts out I confess I confess and he confesses that he didn't leave Gallifrey all those years ago because he was bored, but because he was scared. Right. And the veil backs
1: off, and the castle shifts again, and the
0: doctor escapes.
1: He didn't say why he was scared, though. He just said he was scared.
0: Right. This is when he starts figuring out how long he's got between appearances of the veil. And he starts timing out Because he needs to figure out how long he's got to work. And try and figure out what's going on. And he determines that... uh, As he's trying to find room 12... That he can get a maximum of... I think it's 87 minutes. Between veil appearances. If if he draws it to one extreme area of the castle... And then books it to the other end. (laughs) He can get a maximum of, of 87 minutes work food or
1: sleep Yeah, because um, that's a lot of sleep time right,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor ends up back in the teleporter room however and notices that two cords leading from the console are attached to a skull and this yeah. skull is interesting uh, well not really interesting it's just creepy because it's sitting there with these cords attached to it and you're like wondering how did that happen and then in the dust, next to the skull, is written the word bird. The doctor has no idea what that means.
1: Okay, did did you ever figure out exactly what the significance of that word was?
0: Yes, and we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, it has to do with what happens at that wall. Okay. And I'll get to that. When, cause... Uh,
1: because I, I thought that I figured out the significance of it but i wanted to make sure that i was correct okay
0: the door opens next a door opens next to the uh the teleporter and he goes up these stairs where he gets to the top of the castle tower and he's looking at the stars and he says i can't have time traveled i sense time travel i'm supposed i should be in the same time zone as when i was teleported but the stars say it's been something like 7000 years in the future mm-hmm. and he's really confused and as he's trying to figure this out the veil of course has emerged onto the the top of the castle there with him and the doctor calmly turns from staring out by the way he set the skull on the parapet next to where he's looking at the stars and he calmly turns around to face the veil and says i confess about the hybrid. Long before the time war, the time lords knew a war was coming, and there are many prophecies and stories concerning it. One of the prophecies mentioned a hybrid, who was half Dalek and half Time Lord, the ultimate warrior. And then he confesses that he knows the hybrid is real, and he knows where it is. And that he's afraid of it. And the veil backs off. The castle shifts. And when it shifts, the skull falls from the ledge and into the water. Yeah. Room 12... (laughs) Opens with this final shift of the castle revealing a long hallway and he comes to a little room with a semi-transparent wall and the word home Mm -hmm. is written on it the doctor realized this is the last point that he has to get through but he realized that this wall is made of and I'm going to butcher this word asbantium I think uh, which is 400 times tougher than diamond right and it's a wall that's twenty feet thick. And freedom is just on the other side. <laughs> and he go and then he starts thinking about the word bird and why that's important. Mm-hmm. And then everything snaps into place. The doctor snaps back into his mind, TARDIS. <laughs> He's not happy. No. He just wants to lose. Can we? Do I have to do this? Why do they always have to do this? Can it be someone else's turn? Why can't I lose? And Clara's writes again, you know, how do you win? And then when he asks her directly, why can't I lose? She has written no in capital letters with an exclamation right. point. And I, doctor...
1: I thought this was an interesting way for them to have the remembrance of Clara and not actually have Clara in the episode.
0: Yes. It sort of softens the blow a little bit from the horrific death, basically that she had last episode. It sort of softens that and gives us sort of a, a pseudo chance to say goodbye.
1: Right. Sort of like the end of Amy's run or the end of Matt's run. I should say Matt Smith's run with. Yes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the doctor just, he's exhausted. He can't do it anymore. He, he's, he's tired of trying to fight. And he sits down inside his mind TARDIS. And this is funny because it's like the mind palace of, of Sherlock. Right. Um, yeah, You can see Stephen Moffat has been working on both <laughs> <of> these projects. <laughs> and then we have this one moment where Clara talks to him. We see her face she reaches out and touches his face and she says that he's not the only person to ever lose someone everyone's lost somebody that he has to get over it beat it break free and move on and that he needs to get up and win She's, yes folks I, I'm reading this I'm not actually just saying that from memory so <laughs> she's
1: she's basically his uh equivalent of his conscience I guess you'd say in this episode-
2: mm-hmm.
1: which she sort of was before anyway Paul <laughs> are you
0: sending me naked turkey emojis <laughs> dancing? In case we keep this in the show, folks, <laughs> Paul has just sent me an emoji over Skype of a, a turkey that has been cooked for Thanksgiving that is dancing. And it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not sure if this will make it into the final episode, but it might.
1: Be thankful it wasn't the dancing monkey. <laughs>
0: That dancing monkey. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You had to pick now to post it. Um... (laughs) Oh. Okay. So. Clara has just told. The doctor to get up and win. And so he. Of course being the doctor has to get up and win. And he. Snaps back into reality. And the veil has reached the end of the hallway and is coming towards him. He refuses to confess anything. And this is when he starts telling the story that Bird is reminding him of. Now the thing is... Let's see. The story starts uh, with the tale of a shepherd's boy who is asked by the Emperor how many seconds are in eternity. And that's as far as he gets this Mm -hmm. time.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, as he's telling this to the veil, he starts punching this wall. And if you look closely, when we first see him into that room, there's already a section of the wall that has a small divot in it. He starts punching the wall, the veil just comes up, And it grabs his face and it starts to basically burn and suck the life out of him. The veil disappears. And the doctor is left near death. And we get a narration... uh, As we get... We get a montage of the doctor crawling back... Up to the... Teleporter room. And we get a narration of the doctor telling Clara... In his mind, obviously... That time lords take forever to die, even if they're too injured to regenerate. And that their body struggles and fights to stay alive the entire time.
1: This and sort of explains the end of uh, David Tennant's run, when he took so long to be, be killed by the radiation.
0: Right. Uh, he was able to fend it off. To long enough to go say goodbye to everyone right um, he also determines that there have not been any previous prisoners in this castle before him and that the skulls that he saw were not previous prisoners the doctor didn't time travel those are his skulls and he's been here a very long time He gets back into the teleporter room, and now since every room in this building reverts back to its original state when he arrived, that means there's a copy of himself waiting to arrive stored in the teleporter.
1: Remember the episode about the bootstrap paradox?
0: Here we go again. (laughs) <laughs> the doctor goes over to the control panel for the teleporter. It's functional, it just needs energy to get it started. And so he takes two cords from the teleporter, attaches them to the sides of his head, and turns on the machine, using the basically the electrical energy of his body right. to jump start the machine and get it chugging so that it can produce another copy of him
1: which is a way to cheat the whole regeneration process
0: yes and he falls to the ground writes the word bird in the dust and then everything but his skull disintegrates just as the new copy of himself lands and repeats what we just saw the doctor say at the beginning of the episode.
1: Which means that every single one of the skulls at the bottom of the water are his. Which means that
0: he's already been doing this for 7,000 years. Yeah. He's not any older because he keeps copying himself, but he's already been doing this for 7,000 years. And we get a <laughs> montage of him going through this again and again and again and again and it just gets heartbreaking and i just every time this sequence was done really well because i felt so bad for the doctor every single time it just got worse and worse and worse every time i saw it and it just i couldn't
1: stand it Somebody on Facebook posted something about this that went right along with something that I had already uh, decided to to call this. It was Gallifreyan Groundhog Day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did he mean by that? The,
1: the movie Groundhog Day where he has to live the same day over and over and over and over again until he gets it right. Oh. And every day in the movie is Groundhog Day. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like Gallifrey and Groundhog Day. He has to do this over and over and over again until he finally gets it right. Okay. Wow. (laughs) And
0: now the thing is, is as this montage goes, we start getting the rest of that story that he started to tell, The Veil and this is what it ultimately is and, and I'm, I'm reading this now off of the, the TARDIS wiki if you scroll all the way down under the description under references it's going to be the fourth one on there uh, the doctor discusses the brother's grim to the veil and the tale of the shepherd's boy who is asked by the emperor how many seconds are in eternity Right. the shepherd boy replies there's a mountain of pure diamond it takes an hour to climb it and an hour to go around it. Every hundred years, a little bird comes down, sharpens its beak on the Diamond Mountain. And when the entire mountain is chiseled away, the first second of eternity will have passed. And the doctor's anecdotal statement at the end is, I always thought that was one hell of a bird, which is why he wrote bird. Because it reminds him of that shepherd's boy... Fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm.
1: I wanted to make sure that we were on the same page with that because I was I was thinking the same thing. So,
0: and the first time that the doctor is able to get the entire story out and say that was one hell of a bird is when he's able to finally break through right. to the other side of this a at the what the the wall I don't know uh, <laughs> what it's called. And it took him over two billion years to do
1: it. When we were thinking of names for this episode, one of the names that I came up with for Jason was, how about we call it two billion years in hell? (laughs) 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 But we settled for for something a little bit less morbid. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Now before we finish up with what happened now, and of course the the veil then falls to pieces and it's just basically a sheet and some cogs and and struts underneath it at this point but before we finish out with what's on the other side of this wall I want to back up now, everything that has been set up in this thing, this castle first of all, the painting of Clara do you think the doctor painted that his first time in, or do you think that was in there to torture him?
1: I'm inclined to think that he probably. I, I'm inclined to think it was probably pulled out of his mind. Okay. Very much like the veil.
0: And so it was pulled out of his mind the first time, That's and it, instead what I'm of thinking, yeah, and it just aged. It didn't reset. Right. Every time he showed up. Okay.
1: That's what I'm thinking, because that was, like, the only thing in the entire place that did not reset. And, of course, by the time you get to the end of two billion years, it's probably not there anymore.
0: So Yeah, probably best. Now, the thing with the the flagstone, because he walks into that room and the flagstone is missing and there's arrows pointing to where it should have been. Was that set up, or was that him?
1: See, I'm not sure... Um, I th- Well, I think he did it uh-huh. on his first run, but I don't know why. Right. Unless it was supposed to be a clue to tell him to go find dirt, you know, because that came before he found the garden, you know. Right. Uh, and, of course, why would the he... very first tunnel or the very first hallway, rather, that he goes into, there's a shovel or a spade in that hallway. Next mm-hmm. to the first monitor. So that was already another clue to dig. So. Yeah.
0: I'm just not sure if he was doing this, why he would take the flagstone and bury it in the garden in the first place.
2: Mm-hmm. And not
0: just write, I am in 12 on the flagstone in the one room. Unless he's trying to have multiple clues in multiple areas. I think I know
1: why. Why? Because the garden was not in a room. Which meant the garden would not reset the same way the rooms would. Oh. Ah. <laughs> there you go. And There you go. And because he removed it from the room, it could not reset itself because it had been removed and put somewhere else.
0: And so the chalk wouldn't have wiped away. Right. Okay.
1: There we go. That's what I'm thinking.
0: And it's just interesting going back and watching it a second time and realizing all the little details that are subtle clues through the whole time that he's already done this before. Tell me
1: about it. (laughs) Oh, man. Watching it the second time around was completely different from watching it the first time around.
0: It was. It really was. (laughs) Just everything was like, oh, my gosh, he's done this before. And he says the first time when he says, you know, it feels like it's been 7,000 years in the future. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's already done this for 7,000 years. This is already so frustrating and right. sad." Even before the montage, which was ended up being like 3 or 4 minutes and really good.
1: And the 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 only redeeming thing about this situation for him is the fact that he doesn't have to remember all of the other times that he's done this. <laughs> Over and over and over again. So he he remembers you know. everything when he gets to that wall. Yeah, it, it's it's basically I or, I remember what I need to remember because I've been setting clues up for myself the whole time. But because
0: maybe maybe it's more you know, of a of a realization of what yeah. he's done rather than a, a direct remembering of everything that he's done. But
1: it, it it you know he's having to relive this over and over and over again. But he doesn't have to remember all of the time that came before in his mind is what I'm saying. So at least he doesn't have the mental torture of living that entire two billion years in in isolation. I'm not sure exactly how much time it takes per uh, restart, but it's... It seemed
0: at least a couple days.
1: Yeah. But I mean living a couple of days over and over and over again and only having to remember living that couple of days would make it a lot more bearable than having to, to mentally sure. go through that 2 billion and years. And remember 2 billion years of a couple of days. Exactly. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about an exercise in futility. Yeah, that's the only um,
1: redeeming thing about the situation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and of course the only other thing that doesn't change is the fact that he's punching through that wall. Right. That's the only other thing that isn't resetting. I think because it's not directly attached to the castle. As it seems to be some sort of portal it's like, to something
1: else. Well, it's, it's like a barrier for a portal, basically. Yeah.
0: In which, after he punches through it, he's able to step out onto this dusty, sandy terrain. The portal closes behind him, and to the ground falls his confession dial he's been trapped inside of it this whole time that's what the confession dial is it's not his last will and testament really it's a something that stores his confessions and extracts them from hit from him it seems right at least that's what it's been used for
1: it's possible it was reconstructed for that purpose it's possible
0: we don't know we 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 might find out but, of course, the Doctor realizes where he is. And that he is on Gallifrey. And the little boy runs up. And the Doctor tells him to go to the city. Tell someone important that he's back. That he knows what they did. and He's on his way. And if they ask who he is, tell them he came the long way around. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you can tell... He's not happy. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. The boy runs off to the city, and of course, the camera pans up to where the boy is running to, and we realize, oh, that's Gallifrey. He hasn't actually said where he it's is. The capital up to this city, point. correct? It's it's one of the big cities on Gallifrey. It
1: looks like a big snow globe, basically. Yes. It's uh, the same city that we saw in the fiftieth anniversary episode.
0: Yes. Uh, The Doctor looks at the confession dial and speaks to it and this is the last line that he says that ends the episode. He says, You can probably still hear me. So just between ourselves, you've got the prophecy wrong. The Hybrid is not half Dalek. Nothing is half Dalek. The Daleks would never allow that. The Hybrid, destined to conquer Gallifrey and stand in its ruins, is me. And the episode ends.
1: <laughs> what? And this is what I was talking about at the beginning. Okay, now, yep, you're right. I remember this now.
0: Okay.
2: Leave it to Stephen Moffat to
0: work that weird bit of classic Doctor Who back into the modern series. Now, for I those who are going, it. what?
1: I love it. Fill
0: them in on what we're talking about, Paul.
1: Okay, we were actually going to save this bit for the 20th anniversary of the 8th Doctor movie. Because that will be, uh, what is it, next May, I think?
0: I I believe so. It's next year sometime.
1: We, can still, we can still go over this. But in the 8th Doctor uh, movie we find out, and it is considered canon, this movie, that the Master inadvertently discovers that the Doctor is half-human.
0: Yes, the Doctor is not a pure Time Lord.
1: He he, he finds out through a, a retinal scan that the Doctor is half-human, and then later on in a joking fashion uh, because he knows the person won't understand what he's talking about and, and probably won't remember it two days from then. Anyway, he jokingly (laughs) tells someone that it's just sort of a security guard or something in this place that they go to that. Oh, I'm half human on my mother's side. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so that is the last time in any canonical uh, episode that that is referred to at all. Mm-hmm. The first and last time yeah. that the Doctor is half-human. However, this is supposed to explain why the Doctor has such a love for the humans and the planet Earth. Because yeah. his mother was originally from planet Earth.
0: Yes. that was And that was set up in the 8th Doctor movie and promptly never picked up again. And so many people wondered if that was actually ever going to be considered actually the truth. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I was of the opinion that it was just going to sort of get swept under the rug. Maybe the Doctor was still in that weird, funny state after regeneration and he's just spouting things off um, and has managed to trick the Master yet again. But in response to the end of this episode it's definitely a very distinct possibility <laughs> that that is actually truth yeah now now <laughs> one other theory i have seen floating out there and i'm sure there's a dozen others that i haven't seen the the other theory is a shielder lady me is also seen in one of the, you know, next time on Doctor Who, you know, previews for Hellbent. And so the theory is, you know, he's saying her name, what she calls herself now. You know, that the hybrid is me, as in Lady Me, and not actually the Doctor himself. So, thankfully, we've only got a couple of days from the time we're recording to find out And I won't have to agonize over it for too much longer.
1: I hope they don't steal my thunder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, because I I had this wonderful thing about how my speculation was 100% right and the Time Lords were behind all this and that they're coming back and this all, you know, even without knowing uh, beforehand that that was the case uh so now paul needs to have a little bit of
1: please uh, let me have my moment <laughs>
0: <laughs> paul's moment in the sunshine the gallivray and sunshine oh. one other thing i wanted to ask you about this episode before we we start giving our reviews and or our, our ratings and, and everything heaven sent is the title of this episode hellbent is the title of next episode I really don't think that Heaven Sent fits this
1: episode very well. Yeah, I don't think it does either. <laughs> I mean... I think it was put there to confuse us. Unless
0: unless it's that last interaction he had with Clara and his Mind TARDIS that was Heaven Sent. I don't know. But it was one of those things where... I mean, I love the episode. The episode's great. But going back and talking about heaven sent and how tragic and horrible and, you know, awful I felt for the Doctor and the fact that he had to do this for two billion years and it was just a nightmare for him. It's just really kind of weird to say that. That it all happened in the episode heaven sent. I don't know. It, most of the titles, I mean all the titles thus far have been really you know spot on. Well, uh, The Magician's Apprentice, maybe, sort of. But everything else this season has been pretty definitive as far as with the title, how that relates to uh, the episode. And this one was just one I can't quite figure out. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think
1: think we've been, I don't want to say spoon-fed as far as the the titles and stuff go for the season. I think that once we get to the end of it, he wants to play with us a little bit and kind of say, uh, guess what? Hey, it's not what you thought it was going to be, you know? (laughs) So for me, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking hell bent. I literally think that that is going to describe the doctor's demeanor. In, in the this, beginning of in, next episode? Yeah. yeah. I think that he's, yeah. he's hell-bent on revenge. Oh, yeah. And I think that that... I, th- I honestly think the only reason we got the Heaven Sent title in this last in this episode was because it just fits so nicely with Hellbent.
0: Probably. You know. Because it's supposed to be a back-to-back thing. I mean, even uh, Face the Raven. Face the Raven, Heaven Sent, Hellbent. Yeah. It's supposed to all be a, a trio of episodes, in a sense. So yeah, I mean, it's probably more to relate to the title of next episode uh, than anything specifically in this episode.
1: Of course. But well, we'll have to see. If you were going to take all three of these and put them together in one full-length movie, what would you call it? <laughs> you know? I mean... Face the Heaven Sent Hell bent <laughs> Raven. <laughs>
0: Because... <laughs> or face the heaven bent raven.
1: raven. Well, I mean, I was thinking the same thoughts when when I went to the theater to watch uh, the season finale from last season, because it was all shown like one big long movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was thinking, because this is all put together like this, it should have one title and not, you know, multiple titles crammed together. I just think it would be interesting to find out what you would call this particular movie if it was all put together in, like, a one-shot. Yeah. You know.
0: It would be interesting. So, this will be an interesting episode coming up, because not only is the Doctor returning to Gallifrey, and obviously, as with the Doctor and the Time Lords, there's no love lost. Um, Mm. We also get to see that a Shielder, Lady Me, returns, and Ohika of the Sisterhood of Karn is also in this episode. She's the, the primary uh, member of the Sisterhood that we've seen in the, the times during this cl- the, the new series that we've gone back to Karn.
1: See, I'm, I'm looking at this scenario. We know this is supposed to be 2 billion years in the future. Right?
0: I don't think so. No, you know? not in the future. No, he spent 2 billion years repeating the same thing in the Confession Dial, but I mm-hmm. think that was in a its own little time zone. You think
1: it was encapsulated?
0: I think it was encapsulated. Okay, I really do.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see then if that is the case, because I was thinking, okay, if this is two billion years in the future on Gallifrey, we're probably not going to see anybody in this next episode that we're familiar with at all. Well, the, the general from the 50th anniversary is back. So, uh, yeah, you may be right about the encapsulated time thing.
0: I think it is. I think... That two billion years passed inside the confession dial. Mm -hmm. And maybe some time has passed in reality, but nothing near two billion years. You know, maybe a year or two at most, I would think. But I I don't really think it's... If any time has passed, I'm not sure.
1: It would be nice if we got to see Rassilon come back. Just for the, the, the sake of it being interesting, you know. And how
0: hell-bent-on-revenge Raslan, <laughs> and how that would clash with the doctor's revenge.
1: I see what you did there. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: All right, all right, let's start wrapping this episode up. Uh, give me a rating. How many veils would you use uh, uh, out of ten to rate this episode? I would say ten.
2: Ten? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would say ten because, for me, this is almost one of my favorite episodes of the season. Are almost it, it might it might be almost my favorite episode of the season uh, nice. so far so you know it's at least in my top two for this season and so I'm thinking it doesn't get much better than this as far as as far as I'm concerned now they may blow me completely away with the next one I, I want to find out if they do or not and I can't wait. To see what they do with this thing. Which, by the way, we will be discussing the next episode in in our next episode. (laughs) Yes. So, but yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping the next one I can give it an 11. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh man, I... It's just my personal
0: opinion. I am trying to... I want to save 10s for really special things. I'm trying to think of a reason as to why this episode wouldn't get a 10, but I'm not. (laughs) I love this episode. Yeah. Uh, Peter Capaldi is brilliant in this episode. He does an (laughs) amazing job, and he holds my attention the entire time. And everything, all the feelings, all the emotions, all the pain, all the anger and the rage and the, the sadness is carried so well in his eyes and it's just the idea i'm still stuck with the idea that he endured two billion years of this torture for his confessions that he will not give up on the strength of remembering clara in order to emerge and escape his confession dial, and so I, I have to, I have to give this a ten. It, I don't, I don't like giving too many tens because I don't want to, you know, start uh, diminishing how how good a ten would be. Right. But there's no reason I can think of that it wouldn't get a ten. So I, I'm gonna have to give this a, a ten, a solid ten. <laughs> it just. Well, it was that good.
1: It, it, for me personally, uh, i like I said, I'm really hoping that we find out that the hybrid, the Doctor, is the hybrid, uh, because it it would not only tie in with the Eighth Doctor, but you know, going back to the reason why he left Gallifrey, you know, he was afraid because he knew he was the hybrid that was talked about in prophecy, and so he, he was afraid that he would be the one to carry out uh the what the destruction of gallifrey i guess you'd say
0: yes I, let me see he um, says just destined to conquer gallifrey and stand in its ruins right
1: which if you think about it he's already prevented himself from doing that once already uh in the 50th anniversary true uh so if you take all these little bits and pieces and put them together it would make sense just based on all of that to have him actually be the hybrid that it's talking about uh, which, you know, I really would I, I would really enjoy seeing that you know Wow, so just
0: thinking of the fact that going off the assumption that your speculation is correct
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm flashing back to the first episode of, of An Unearthly Child mm-hmm. which is the very first storyline of the first Doctor's run for those who are curious, and just the idea uh, when the doctor is explaining to Barbara and Ian that Susan and, and he have been cut off from their own planet without friends or protection, and that one day maybe they'll go back, mm-hmm. when maybe they'll, they'll be able to get back someday, puts a whole new meaning to his thought process there, if this is, if this is true.
1: And he really is
0: the hybrid, and he right. was running so he didn't destroy Gallifrey.
1: Right. I mean, think about all of that. You know, I mean, for for them to take this and tie it back into to classic Who that in that manner, I think would be fantastic. Ooh.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts on this on this episode before we wrap this up and and look forward to the next episode? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm giddy, like a little school child. (laughs) Now, honestly, uh, I think we pretty much hit all the high points. Uh, I just, I really would like for this to be true, you know. I'm I'm, Uh I'm hoping he's not referring to Lady Me. Yeah. Because, honestly, until you said that just a moment ago, that never even crossed my mind that that was what he was talking about.
0: Yeah. I, I just saw that on... On Facebook somewhere, I think. I think it was Facebook. I don't remember exactly where I saw, it, but I did see it online, and that was one of the theories um, that he would be referring to uh, Lady Me rather than himself. But well, I'm liking I'm liking your theory better.
1: I also think that it would that it would make it interesting too, because it would explain why the Doctor doesn't behave like the other Time Lords from Gallifrey. You know he is a bit more impatient because they're all you know all of them are very you know s- stiff and proper and you know even the master is somewhat you know stiff and proper you know to a certain extent not not in later years and he gets looser and looser and looser as we go but uh-huh. You know, especially through the majority of the classic series, he was the, the same way, very stiff, very proper. He, As he got crazier and crazier and crazier throughout the years, that started to go away. But but you you see a complete different personality with the Doctor than you see with any of the other Time Lords. And I think that this would explain the reason why he, he is more of a loose cannon. You know, mm-hmm. per se, because it's the human side of him coming out. You know, uh, it's the fact that he's not he's not predictable to them because he's he's different, right? Which scares them and makes them think that they need to control him. Of interesting note, I'm just looking at the at
0: Wikipedia on the list of episodes, is that the director for this episode Heaven Sent and next episode Hellbent, it's the same director that we had for Dark Water and Death in Heaven, which is the finale of last season. Nice. So, Rachel Talalay. I like the episode she's directed so far, so that's uh, <laughs> it's giving me co- good confidence for the next episode. Oh my goodness. See, I'm Thank not you.
1: even so sure if this does end up being true. I'm not even so sure that the other Time Lords even know that the Doctor would be a hybrid. Because... You know, the master is supposed to have been his childhood friend and everything else and he didn't even know. Right. Well, I would assume that some of the High Council
0: probably know but the general populace probably not.
1: Uh, and, anyway. and I saw somewhere on one of the Wikipedia or wiki pages uh, that the Doctor's mother is supposedly a redheaded human Time Lord. Meaning that She's human, but she has the classification of Time Lord in that she was adopted into the Time Lord count, you know, organization. Society. Yeah, the Time Lord yeah. organization, I, sh- I should say. So, Interesting. I, I was trying to find that earlier, but I didn't run back up on it. But I did find it distinctly mentioned in one of the, I believe it was on uh, one of the uh, TARDIS Wiki pages.
2: Hmm
0: perhaps a reference to the doctor's disappointment of never being ginger um <laughs> anyway all right i i think i think that'll wrap this episode
1: um, oh and both the first and eighth doctor refer to their mother having red hair so well the first doctor as well <laughs> i just don't remember where but it's list- it's listed know. on the page so gotcha
0: <laughs> interesting
1: think that'll wrap this up just another quick
0: reminder about uh the Thunderquack patreon holiday gift pack giveaway uh make sure that if you want to be eligible to win that uh you do have to support the Thunderquack patreon at patreon.com thunderquack at the one dollar or above level uh we will be announcing that winner in the next couple weeks so stay tuned for that
1: and guys we're talking uh, about twelve dollars a year okay $12 a year for, like, some of the most awesome podcasts that you can ever listen to. Yeah,
2: so, yeah, yeah, You know, you
1: know.
2: ours, of course,
0: being the best of those, right? <laughs> right. right you know. just, just don't tell anybody else. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, right, right.
1: Not, not, not in our network anyway. Right, right, right. right.
0: <laughs> Excuse me while I pull a muscle patting my own back. Um <laughs> Anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, let us know what you think about Hellbent. Please let us know what you think about Hellbent after that airs. Uh, you can go ahead and do that on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash TalkingTimeLords. You can tweet us at, at TalkingTimeLord or email us at TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Of course, our TARDIS on the internet and the home for all of our previously released episodes is TalkingTimeLords.com. Anything
1: else, Paul? Don't forget to leave us reviews uh, on iTunes and Stitcher, and you know, comment. Let us know what you think about the show. Let us know what we're doing right, maybe what we're doing wrong, where we can adjust, fix, or whatever we need to do. Um, improve. Yeah, because we're we're all about you know making this thing for you guys. So, indeed.
0: All right, well, that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 26, Veil of Confession. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May
1: you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams.
0: Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquest to help support the show. unfair.